I'm Christian Humes. And I'm John Paul Murphy. And you're listening to Watch World. World. And today we will be talking about a very special movie, the grand finale of The Boy Who Lived, Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part 2. Yes, we went on a date to go see this movie. Yeah, it was really fun. We (laughs) saw it in theaters in XD, which is like fake IMAX. Yeah, and it... The sound and picture quality, I will say, was not bad. No. In fact, a lo- the special effects really have come such a long way in this movie from the first one. Everything looked oh, yeah. great. Even the dragon. Even the dragon looked great. Yeah, the dragon looked great. Um, a lot of the stuff in the final battle, I think, looked pretty good. Yep. Um, there was a couple of things, I I think, with some with the giants and the spiders at the end, I thought was a little... Mm. Mm-hmm. It was a little like, oh, they're in the background. Just act like you're fighting it. <laughs> sure, yeah. <laughs> but I think for the most part, everything looked... I mean, I overall, I think it's a really strong movie. I think it's a, a, a very competent end to the story. Um, we will, John, and I haven't told you about these, go over some of the differences between the end of the movie and the end of the book. Great. <laughs> and some of the choices that they made, I think, are baffling to me, especially when it comes to what they may want to ever do in the future with the series, if they want to continue to expand that universe. It's just very interesting to me, specifically one of the choices, as well as the climactic battle actually goes down quite differently in the books. So we'll go over those. Um, Of all the things they changed, it was very strange to me that the end is quite different in many ways. Although I do think it's still very well done, and I enjoy the movie a lot. Yeah, the ending is, is very almost... Like what we've seen before in a lot of blockbusters that do this, like they really are trying to like wrap this up, right? In yeah. Many sometimes ways. they spend too much time building stuff up, and then they don't give the finale the time that it needs. Yeah, I think I think once once it kind of gets past the you know Voldemort is defeated and going to that kind of epilogue sort of range, it kind of gets a little. I'm just like, okay, it's 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 this is okay, <laughs> right? So movie opens up right where the last one left off. And John, I would be remiss if I don't correct something from the last episode. You asked me a question about why did Ron say there are only three Horcruxes left since there were three destroyed. And the reason is, and the reason I screwed up is because I have the knowledge that Harry is a Horcrux. So I have that knowledge. And so I had told you there were seven Horcruxes. But the truth is, all we knew is that Voldemort had split himself into seven, which meant that for instance, when he made one Horcrux, he had split himself into two parts. So making six Horcruxes splits himself into seven parts. At no point in the film do they actually say that they're looking for seven Horcruxes total. They just said that there were seven pieces of Voldemort, and you would assume that one of them is him. Which is why they were always like, after we kill this, we just have to kill Voldemort himself. Okay, well, I think I, on a technical I think note, I yes, misled you, you because I knew the info. Uh, no, but I'm at the end of... The Haplod Prince, you know, when him and Dumbledore are talking and they're just talking about like the seven Horcruxes, they mention the seven Horcruxes. Well, they mentioned there, yeah, that he's been split seven times. So I, I guess maybe, yes, technically you are correct, you know, but they do a poor job of like, I think, explaining that. Right. And I think <laughs> part of it is, is because of the fact that they, when they make the movie also, similar to the way I was discussing it, I'm working with the knowledge of the fact that I know Harry's a Horcrux. And that there are seven, you know? Yeah. And trying to, I also to work assumed it, that. It, it lined up with how many books there are. 
Right, yeah. <laughs> so, Although each book doesn't actually introduce one, but... Correct, but I just assume that's like there's something about the number seven that she was going with. Yeah, uh, I, and it's also very like mystical. It's very popular in magic and superstition, the number seven. Yes, that is very true. <laughs> so, uh, so that being said, at this point in their journey, they believe there are three Horcruxes remaining. They need to destroy them. They have Dobby. They have his dead body. They put it in the ground. Yes. And they have a Horcrux killing device, which they are going to bargain. They're going to make a bargain with one of the goblins. Griphook. Griphook the goblin. I thought that that scene when they are talking with Griphook, I thought that was a great scene. Yeah, it's a fantastic scene, right? I think it's... uh, it's, it was it was it was it was well done considering they didn't have a lot of information that the books have where you see Harry specifically Hermione as well like they really earn a very positive name among magical creatures so i think it it still worked well yeah i just think from a the way the the, the scene is shot to Warwick Davis's performance as Griphook and just kind of what the you know, they need something, he wants something. And just kind of the way the, the scene played out, I think it was a great, it was a very cinematic scene. Yes. Compared then, uh, to the Ollivander scene, which I felt was a little more like, I got to tell you some exposition. <laughs> yeah, it, it did work fairly well, though, the Ollivander one, in many ways. Uh, I think the way he tells Harry, like, the wand chooses the wizard, and it sets up what you're going to need to know for the finale later on. Correct. You know. So I think that was pretty good. But yeah, the grip hook scene is definitely more emotionally touching. It's it's more emotional. It's just more an interesting scene to watch. Where I, I, th- I think the Ollivander scene was interesting to watch. It's just, it was kind of more just, I need to present you the facts. Whereas like I love scenes which are between two characters where both of them want different things. And they need to kind of work out a deal, let's say. Those are always great scenes. And I feel like... Uh, that's fair. For every Ollivander, time... he just didn't want to even have the discussion. Correct. That's all he. Avengers <laughs> wanted it to be over, so he's like, "I'll, I'll just tell you what you need to know." Um, so. yeah. yeah. So I like that, and then so he, like basically they say, "Okay, we'll give you the sword if you help us break into Gringotts," and which is crazy because they need the sword to kill the Horcrux. He, yeah, I think. Well, and they explain that in the scene. He's like, "Sure, but I still want it." <laughs> yeah. So, um, and then once again they use probably. Polyjuice potion. Right. So their plan is to infiltrate Gringotts by using Polyjuice potion. And they're going to disguise themselves as Bellatrix Lestrange and, and one of her henchmen. And one of her her nymphs. Yeah. One of the <laughs> snatches. Um, I thought this was great acting by Hella Bottom Carter. She gets to finally do oh something, a little bit different, something a little bit different. Yeah. So. Yeah. It's always fun when the actors get to act as someone else playing them. Yes, it's very much a reminiscent of the movie, the great movie Face Off, in which Nick Cage and John Travolta get to play each other, playing each other. <laughs> uh, but that's always great. Uh, for as many times as they use Polyjuice Potion in the series, they seem to use it almost once a movie. Um, I'm surprised they, the Time Turner hasn't ever made a... Because uh... the Time Turner, I think, is too powerful. In the books, also, it's said after the events with those time turners that they get basically put down in lock and key. Like, they're they're getting rid of them. Okay. It just seems like if the Dark Lord is returning, this dark times call for powerful magic. Well, yeah, but it's hard to get your hands on them. They were very controlled. There were very few of them. Uh, One was given to a child. (laughs) Yeah, by by McGonagall. 
Yeah. And McGonagall's at the end of this movie. Yeah, McGonagall's a badass, by the way. I like to think of McGonagall as our own personal, like, Ruth Bader Ginsburg in the world of Harry Potter. Yeah, she's like, she kind of, like, Hogwarts now is, like, outnumbered by, like, <laughs> she's, like, one of the few remaining. Yeah. You know? Yeah, she kind of, unfortunately, like, I felt like for her, she gets a little, she has some good moments in this, but she kind of, where she starts this series and kind of where she is in this movie, she kind of gets really pushed aside. And Oh, she has such big moments, though, in this movie. Yes and no. I think she does, but like not in a way that maybe I was expecting them. I don't know. Maybe it's like my expectations were a little bit off on it, but I just kind of felt like they didn't come off her. She didn't come off as powerful as I wanted her to be almost mm. like in the magic itself. Yeah, I suppose that's kind of fair. I, I would really argue against that. I mean, she goes toe to toe with Snape, who's one of the most powerful wizards. She fucking does the security uh, spell on Hogwarts uh, castle. And yeah. She sets up the whole like big shield around it and everything. I mean, she's pretty badass. Also in the books, she plays a much bigger part as well. I see. Yeah. Yeah. So um, McGonagall's kind of a badass. I like McGonagall. Uh, okay. So do you know what they're going to get in? They do not make it clear in the movie, but upon reading the summary, I realized what they were going for. Ah, yes. Yeah, it's listed more in the books, this information, and I felt like this was something they kind of missed. They should have at least named it, but, um, you know, during the escape scenes and everything, Harry keeps tapping into Voldemort, vice versa, and so he's seeing flashes as well of, like, items, which we'll see later. He sees flashes of items. But the main thing is that we know Harry can feel them when they're nearby, which is what helps him identify it within her vault. Yeah. And it also allows him to, like, I mean, the way that Bellatrix had freaked out was why he assumed, hey, there's probably a Horcrux in that vault. Yeah, he assumes that if they, it was keeping the sword in there, or that's where she keeps very powerful things. Correct. It's very, very possible Some, there could be. And if she was going nuts, like, someone was in my vault, like, there's probably a, another reason other than just the sword of Godric Gryffindor. Um, and as we also know about the Horcruxes, they have they weren't just like any old random object. Uh, actually, we got a fun tweet asking us, what object would we make a uh, Horcrux out of, John? What would you pick? You said like a Declaration of Independence or something? I would say I would split my soul into the U.S. Constitution, the original copy. <laughs> the, or one, one of Because the, then... No, yeah, it would be the original that's in the National Archives. Yeah. Because then if someone tries to destroy it, then they become a, a, you know, a terrorist. It would be very hard to get to. Yes. What about, how about just like a random drum of toxic radiation that's just like buried under steel and cement in one of those mountains? Um. (laughs) You just, you wouldn't even be able to get to it. You'd die. Yeah, but I'm sure you could get like a spell that could protect you from radiation no, no, no. oh yeah you maybe know? it'd still be like how do you get in there uh it's like that'd be like almost that'd be like going into gringotts but if gringotts was solid here, here's you gotta think you gotta think it this way christian if if good guys are trying to get to your horcrux you gotta make it so that they have to kill people to get to it and thus can't be good people anymore <laughs> what about the uh american flag on the moon that's a good one yeah right I mean, I would have had to make it back in the day when they were going to the moon, but if you could make it before they left, that would be pretty solid. <laughs> My other answer would just be like one of those Nokia phones that don't break. <laughs> yeah. It's just like in a pile in a, in a <laughs> yeah. like dump. You just couldn't destroy it. Anyway, those things are indestructible. So, 
Um, so yeah, they're looking for Helena Hufflepuff's Hel- Helga goblet, Hufflepuff's. her cup. Oh, sorry, Helga Hufflepuff's goblet, her cup. That is what they are looking for. I thought this was a little bit of a missed opportunity to not make the Goblet of Fire Helga Hufflepuff's goblet. I cup. see. I thought that would have been cool if that like originally was hers, and that's why it was like so endowed with magic. Uh, it's too bad. I think it's a missed opportunity, personally. Yeah. But it's fun to to actually hear something about other houses like Hufflepuff. Yeah, it was good that they the two other Horcruxes in here are the Ravenclaw thing and the Hufflepuff thing. Um, it kind of right. sort of I guess brings a f- more rounded kind of world here to what the adventure is. Um, yeah, nothing of Gryffindors. <laughs> yeah, I guess the question is like maybe because he was Slytherin, he didn't really. Yeah, they, they hated yeah, each other. It was easier for him to get this other stuff. Um, yep. Yeah, so I thought the couple of cool things. I, th- I thought the them traveling on the the little rail car thing was really cool. Yeah, it was also a great return. I think of the invisibility cloak at the beginning which we now know it's a deathly hallow yeah that was um that was good where they're sneaking in the first one i <laughs> it's interesting how much the 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 from the first movie how much the goblins have like like visually changed <laughs> yes like they were all look like grip hook in the beginning and now they're more i mean they look some they look fairly similar but they also just look better they, they just look like more like dwarves though than i would say goblins yeah i mean they're Facial features look more diverse and different. Yeah. That's definitely true. They they have more characteristics of individuality than they did previously. Um, oh, kind of like how the orcs in the original Lord of the Rings movies almost all looked exactly the same at first. Like when you looked at a bunch of orcs next to each other. But then like when they actually specifically had different orcs, you could tell they were different people. Yeah, I, I, I'm just... That's true. But I was also thinking like Griphook is kind of like has that... He has like dark eyes kind of sharp teeth and a long pointy nose and pointy ears where some of these other guys were more of like big beards and rounded noses and you could see it, they had clear eyes uh, and yes. like they look, look less like um goblin-y in the sense like little monsters and more just like little people <laughs> so that's right. a, it seemed like maybe gringotts was trying to change their image a little bit i don't know <laughs> so let's like like have a more uh friendly presentation at up front <laughs> um and then i yeah. love how like the guards they just look like like for a world of like magic, you know the guards look so just like bank security guards <laughs> for Gringotts. It's just kind of a like interesting uh, uh, wardrobe choice <laughs> for the bank. Yeah, yeah, they just look like police officers. Yeah, which I feel like in this world you would have maybe more stylish or more flashy <laughs> sort of uh, designs to your to your security. Yeah, it was funny to me how like it felt like Rick Hook almost wanted her to get caught. Because he could have just, like, told them, like, when you come in, you have to present the wand. They knew they had her wand, so why wouldn't they have just told her that at the start? Yeah. That was, yeah. That that, that was know. a little, like, I think, I didn't really know what was going to happen there. And then when Harry basically puts a spell on the guy to, like, allow them to pass through, then it was like, oh, okay, they got to get out of it. <laughs> right. Sort of like their plan only, like, had one step to it. And then if that ever failed, they're like, fuck. <laughs> they're screwed. Um, so as they go through, obviously they get hit by that waterfall, which clears all of their magic from them. And then they just get dumped. They get dumped. The, the one guy wakes up, but then they put the spell back on him. Um, he, yeah. he gets torched later. <laughs> Poor guy. <laughs> eh, fuck him. <laughs> the whole place gets torched later. Um, <laughs> 
So we get to one of my favorite spells in the movie. I love... Uh, I'm so happy that even in this last movie, they're still introducing new magic. It really is like one of the best things about the series is it's not like at the start they show off kind of everything magic can do and then rarely is there new stuff. It's like every movie they find a new way to introduce new spells or things and then every now and then they'll call upon old ones and you'll see them in new ways. I loved the duplication yeah. spell where it was this really cool curse inside her vault. Everything they touch would just start to duplicate and multiply and so they're starting to get buried by all these fake cups which are i suppose meant to keep people from finding the real yeah. cup and right before it happens though harry sees the 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 right one the true cup that he needs to get so he knows right. what the target he's trying to go for um this is very reminiscent of the uh garbage shoot scene in star wars you know where they're yeah sort of being gonna be trapped and crushed amongst the <laughs> basically a bunch of trash yeah cups is cool um so they get it. Basically, Gringot or Griphook, sorry, um, betrays them at this moment. Runs away with the sword. Um, then they have to, in order to escape, they they get out of the room. But then they have to break out the dragon to escape. Correct. Who, like I said, then the dragon torches that one banker dude. <laughs> and then, uh, then I think visually this would look really cool. I like the dragon breaking out of the thing and r- them riding on top of it and them flying. Out of London, I think it was all really cool. Yeah, it it was a weird turn. How did you feel about when Griphook turned on them? Uh, it's it felt a little too fast, but I understand there's a lot to get through. <laughs> it just yes, it did feel a little like too soon. Well, is I I don't even know if it's a too soon thing. It just felt like we saw Griphook kind of acknowledge Harry was different than other wizards and it seemed like maybe he respected him and then to turn on him and be like, I told you I'd let you in, but I never said anything about getting out. Yeah, I think he just saw his moment, you know, while they could be buried in this thing to to kind of trap them in there. Yeah, and he was planning I mean, on like using them as a bargaining chip so that he could get back in good with Gringotts. Correct. So I think he, you know, just acted upon his opportunity. I think obviously this moment in like if it was its own type of movie, its own, you know, standalone movie, this would be more towards the midpoint or the, you know, the third act. You'd have the betrayal. But this early on, it's kind of like it remind, actually does remind me of in Raiders of the Lost Ark in the beginning. You know, the opening with uh, Alfred Molina's character, how it's like he's like, give me the idol. It's like, give me the whip. Yeah. And then he and then he dies. <laughs> <laughs> um. So when they escape here, a fun little change, uh, obviously, they escape on the dragon. Dragon just goes ape shit, destroys the whole place. They let the dragon go free after we saw how it was tortured. Now, in the books, this was a thing Hermione did. Harry did it in the movies. It's just weird. Like, they constantly give everything to Harry. They just want him to be, like, perfect. It's like, why couldn't they let Hermione do that? She was the one when they saw the dragon that was really like touched by how sad it was the way it was treated why it felt like a yeah change yeah i think it's it's by this point it basically ron and hermione become they're just extensions of harry right at this point and so it i really felt that at the end too especially when all the battles going on it's like you're you're more invested in the, in the harry uh you know voldemort kind of battle than you are the ron hermione nagini yeah. thing it's like kind of- <laughs> So one like a cool thing they did in the books, you know, when Harry's like climbing all those cups and stuff. Instead, something that we know Hermione's really good at making things levitate. She like levitates Harry up and over to the cup. I see. 
which is much more interesting, I think, and would have been better cinematically because they were already starting to like drown in the cups because once they started touching them, they just kept touching them and it was starting to bury them in many ways. Um, it's really cool. Uh, it's a very cool scene. Um, yeah, the the part where they fall into the water, the lake. Yes. Um, was jarringly the the cinematography suddenly changes to this very close up handheld kind of Saving Private Ryan <laughs> kind mm-hmm. of thing going on, which it doesn't really pay off in any way because they just kind of get out of the lake and you know nothing really happens. But it was just kind of a weird change to the really kind of kinetic and quick pace kind of cutting on that. Yeah, and then this is where things kind of take a dark turn because they now know they need to go back to Hogwarts. Yes, they need to go back to Hogwarts. Um, and they don't have a way to kill a Horcrux without really going back to Hogwarts either because the only thing they know other than the Sword of Godric Gryffindor that will do it is Basilisk Fang. Correct. So, Because that's the only thing Harry used to kill. Right. Uh, in this moment also that Ron t- gets the... He takes advantage to take his shirt off. Ron and Harry. <laughs> oh, yeah. They're just like, like again, Harry loves, you know, Daniel it's Radcliffe. It's Getting all Equus, man. Yeah. Equus. Equus. <laughs> um, <laughs> so what did Harry see at Hogwarts? He saw... Well, first he sees a vision of Voldemort killing Green- Griphook. Right. With, you know, and the sword. And the sword starts to disappear. Right. <laughs> he basically leaves the sword. Um, then he sees... Uh, Kind of a bunch of imagery, uh, mostly around Rowena Ravenclaw and the Ravenclaw symbol. Yeah, the gray lady, her daughter. Yes, Kelly McDonald. Yeah, she does a good job. Yeah, I think I think she did a good job as the as the ghost. Yeah, the ghosts have always played um, in the series a large part. It's a little bit smaller in the movies, but I think it's interesting that they do actually um, have an effect on the living world, and they're not just sort of voyeurs on the living world. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, w- I kind of want to know what happened to the headless Nick. Nearly headless, like nearly headless. Yeah, Nick. <laughs> uh, he's fine. He unfreezes. Yeah, because the last time we saw him was the chamber secret. Yeah, there's a big, there's a ghost in Hogwarts, which is such a big part of the mo- of the book series called Peeves. Um, and he's not even in the movie. Is actually the actor. Gosh, I can't remember his name, but he is. Uh, have you ever seen Drop Dead Fred? No, I have uh, not. But I'm, I'm, the actor that plays Fred it. in that movie was originally going to be cast to play him, and then he passed away. Um, and I think instead of recasting him or something, they just didn't even ever cast him. <laughs> they just ended up not yeah. using the character in the movie or something, uh, which is a shame yeah. because the character is like very big in the books, and there's a lot of stuff that happens. There's this whole like yeah. s- chapter and section about like the ghosts and like they have like a party and Harry goes and meets with the ghosts and he gets information from that like there's a lot of crazy stuff and I'm sure uh, Luna's there for some reason well this was in like it's <laughs> in like the first or second book when yeah. that when yeah. that storyline happens but they play a part of the series throughout the whole time uh speaking of Luna Lovegood we're gonna see her soon when we get to Hogwarts but first they gotta figure out how the hell are they gonna get to Hogwarts yeah and also actually because Luna Lovegood is with them at the beach house in the beginning right how does she get to Hogwarts? She she left and went back and went to Hogwarts, I guess. Yeah. It's just funny how she was able to like sort of sneak back in. Right. Yeah. But it's like, okay. I kind of feel like she's just one of those characters that can just be anywhere at any time. Right. <laughs> she, she just has that ability. I think she uh, gets sent back because it really was the Death Eaters who took her. It's not like the Ministry wanted her. Yes. So 
like she was allowed to go back to Hogwarts. Um, and obviously then they were questioning her and everyone else about where Harry Potter. Yeah. So the uh, the three heroes, they apparate to Hogsmeade. Yes. And that's where we meet Aberforth. The, yes. Who was on the other side of the glass. The glass. Aberforth Dumbledore. Yes. Dumbledore's brother. So Albus, Aberforth, and Ariana. And they all have a middle name of Brian. <laughs> um, uh, just to update my research, uh, Kieran Hines is the uh, actor, the great Irish actor. He's in a bunch of stuff. Um, he's got a we- you know one of those weird looking Irish names, but it's pronounced Kieran. Okay, so here's the deal with the Dumbledores, John. You've got Ariana, Aberforth, and Dumbledore. Aberforth and Dumbledore clearly don't see eye to eye on a number of things, and it is the tumultuous relationship in history they shared, which is the reason for this. So it starts out. When Ariana was a kid, she was attacked by a couple of muggles, three actually, to be exact, and her father went and uh, took the law into his own hands, went very uh, Liam Neeson, very taken on them, did not kill them, but uh, used spells on them, which you are not allowed to use. So one would assume, you know, probably an unforgivable spell. Uh, Regardless, either way, he used spells on muggles. And so he was sent to your favorite place, Prison of Azkaban. Yes. Which it often feels like really is the only prison they have for, which is... Yeah. Um, but I, but wasn't... Okay, so like going back to the last movie uh-huh. that we talked about with um, Grendel, Grendelwald. Yeah. And that, you know, it seems like Voldemort goes to him in a different prison, not Azkaban, because it doesn't seem like it's in the ocean, and it seems like it's like on a weird hillside, like a mountainside somewhere. Uh... Oh, I suppose that's possible. But anyways, that's not to get the point. Like, yeah, that's... he was uh, in Normengard, which is like a different prison. Yeah, I assume that there's different prisons. Yeah. It's Why just... would you put all the bad guys that's in one That's the place? ministry's prison. <laughs> I see. So what happens next, right? Ariana, who was just like a capable young girl witch, she is afraid to use her magic, which is something that happens, and we never it's never actually explained in the books. But it is alluded to as being the case in the Fantastic Beast films may have now finally shed more light on what it meant. But Ariana would not use her magic. She felt ashamed of it, afraid to use it because of everything her father did and what the boys did to her for being a witch. She felt like an outcast, like she was a freak. So her magic became uncontrollable. She doesn't go to Hogwarts anymore. She stays at home. And then one day... She goes into a rage. Her powers are uncontrollable, and she accidentally kills her mother. Uh, The brothers blame each other or themselves for this. They were quite close growing up, especially Aberforth, who would always try to calm her down. Um, And so now the mom's dead. They're, like, trying to take care of her. And this is all during the rise of Grindelwald, which is a very common theme of fascism, apparently, I guess, you know, during the 1900s. First, they had yeah. the rise of Grindelwald and then Voldemort, where Voldemort's more like a maniac serial killer. Grindelwald is actually a bit more like a Hitler-esque character who really had like a big war. Um, yeah. And uh, he and Dumbledore Grindelwald, at least at some point in their history, were quite close. And uh, it's actually been said by J.K. Rowling that they were lovers at one point, although no one knows if that's mm-hmm. supposed to be canon or not because they've decided not to depict them that way in the movies. So this is probably one of those like bullshit representation things where they say it outside of the medium and it's never actually used in it. <laughs> it's just so stupid. Yeah. 
um it would probably be so much more interesting if they actually did do that it's dumb yeah they're just stuck in the room of requirement yeah as one would say and i mean grindelwald's whole thing was that he didn't feel like you know witches and wizards should have to hide from people he thought they were better very similar to the way voldemort does but um he also was searching for power in fact grindelwald was the one who ended up having the elder wand and dumbledore is the one who eventually gets it from him but what we find out john is that during a duel with grindelwald so it's aberforth albus together fighting grindelwald a killing curse is cast no one's sure who actually was the one who cast it but ariana was caught in the middle and hit and she was killed wow yeah and then of course they you know that's it like the brothers uh like are done at that point their relationship together you know i see causes a terrible rift and now you have aberforth who lives still very old you would assume (laughs) also um yes but he i guess never 100 percent gave up on the goodness in dumbledore even if he wanted no part of him because he does have the magic mirror and he is the face of the man that we kept seeing for the last film and he's the one that sent dobby to help him, I think, initially, right? Yes, which is In how... Half-Blood we... Prince? Or... Exactly, and that's how we have an explanation for that, too. Because otherwise, it's like, how the hell... Like, why would he just show up suddenly? Yeah, so that... that get the connection there that he was working with. Uh... With Dobby. Um, Harry Potter. Oh, my God, I'm dead, and I'm laying in the beach somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> oh, poor Dobby. He is very, like, a if a dog had a human personality, right? That's true. He's, he is very. Um, I know. I know. We. I, I remember commenting on Emily's dog, reminding me of Dobby. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that is very true. He is very much have like the the heart and soul of a dog. A uh, very kind creature, Dobby was. So yeah. Aberforth's been helping out with the order and with the downfall of Voldemort, and really, it's more about him just trying to support the good guys and keep them from being hurt then it has actually been fighting against the bad guys but hey we need people on the defense too right yeah he's kind of like america pre joining the war in world war ii yeah like he's looking out for the little guy but he's not fighting the big guy not yet not until not until it gets everything really goes to shit now here's another good moment where like a ghost helps out and the photo the painting of ariana goes and she's sent to retrieve someone. And who comes out of the painting? Uh, Neville Longbottom. Hells yeah. It goes back to your question. I remember, I forget which movie, maybe the third one, where it's like, how does the physics of, not the physics, but like, how does the whole painting thing work? <laughs> does no she just idea. go to another painting in Hogwarts? And then. Well, and what like... we see later with uh, the Great Lady, which we find out is Ravenclaw's daughter is that like okay so ghosts could also inhabit paintings so are just painting people ghosts possibly it's hard to tell how how it works that'd suck to be a ghost you're kind of stuck to being like (laughs) but i guess you're not because she like leaves the painting and we also saw filch remember when filch just like empties the painting he just shakes (laughs) them out of it (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's great um but so neville takes them through a secret passageway back to hogwarts yeah where everybody's looking grown up Hells yeah. Neville Dean, looks like such Dean a badass. Is like six nine. Yeah. Neville's huge too. <laughs> yeah. Neville's huge. You see the size of that lad? He's an absolute unit. Yeah. Him and him and Dean are like the star uh forward and center on the uh Hogwarts basketball team. Yeah. Uh, they're 
the, the beaters in uh, Quidditch. <laughs> Definitely. Um, but yeah, so all the, I guess, uh, Hogwarts has been turned into like a Hitler youth camp, basically. But yeah, everyone there's... but Slytherin is getting like tortured. Yes, by two characters that we don't really see, and they get defeated really easily. Um, I don't know. I don't remember their names. They're just like but... shitty snatchers, just crappy like Death Eater, Dead Ministry people. Yeah, no one important. No but one at important. the same time, like these are kids. They're kind of easy to control, or at least they think, right? Yeah. Keep in mind, you've got Snape running the place. So, like, as much as he's actually running the place, like for the bad guys, he's also doing the bare minimum and hiring the most incompetent people possible you know (laughs) like because he's like trying to make it look like he's doing the right thing so even the good guys who don't know that he's actually trying to be a good guy don't know but like snape's the guy which uh you know snape brought them the sword of godric gryffindor snape is the one who put the fake in bellstrix strange in her vault um so those are you know it's clear like snape was He's trying to do the right thing, but he also has to keep on the, a face for, or else he can't. He can't uh, be the inside man. Yeah. I mean, Dumbledore gives him a really shitty job to do. Yeah, which we <laughs> learned later. Um, so I love how everyone cheers when Harry rolls in. Yeah. Everyone's even, so excited. Even Lavender Brown. And Seamus. And Sh- oh, yeah, Seamus. <laughs> and that drunk Seamus. Yeah, they make him now. It's like his thing in this in this movie. He's just I like to blow shit up. <laughs> yeah, I like to drink and I like to blow shit up. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense though. I believe yeah, he's it. Ir- Irish, yeah, the Irish. Um, so they do something pretty ballsy. Uh, what is that? Well, correct me if I'm wrong, but they they don't they go just straight up after Snape, right? Yeah, because Snape orders everyone to meet in the hall. Yeah, and then he's like. I know that Harry Potter's here. Like, who will tell me about him? And Harry just walks up. Well, he was seen at up. Hogsmeade. That's true, yeah. That's what he but said. So, yeah, he said so he was like, seen at Hogsmeade. So if anyone knows anything about him, you know, let me then, know. And then Harry's like, I know something about him, bitch. Yeah, that was pretty ballsy. <laughs> it was. Um, and then we have, like you mentioned, that we have the Minerva and Snape kind of showdown. Well, no, uh, yeah. In the books, that's different. She's not the only one who fights Snape there. It's actually, like, everyone. It's, like, if I remember correctly, it's McGonagall. It's, like, Flitwick. Um, it's a number of the teachers are the ones who actually fight him there, which is kind of fun. But they do a good job of, like, she She seems pretty badass and very capable. Um, and she's using that sweet, like, fire spell, just blasting him. And you see her sort of, like, yeah. build up when she starts the fight with him because at first it's, like, she just, like, can't believe it just like sends a thing at him and then just like faster 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 and then yeah. when he flees uh she's just like you fucking coward <laughs> he's like you don't understand minerva yeah yeah if you only knew minerva i know he he needs uh, a way to like put that pensive on like Times square so that the pensive so that other people can <laughs> see you know it's just like it's like you can't just leave this up to one person to tell people FYI. Yeah. Um, um, so, yeah, so then McGonagall's like, we got to get ready for battle because Harry needs time to find the the Horcrux. And now Voldemort knows that where Harry is and they're going to attack. Yeah. It's the battle for Hogwarts, which the is pretty battle cool. Of a, battle of Hogwarts Deep. Yeah. Which is pretty <laughs> cool. Uh, she has one of my favorite lines and moments in the whole series here, which is when 
McGonagall basically does the thing I can't wait for to happen every day in the Trump administration where, where like she basically perp walks all of Slytherin to the dungeons. Oh, yeah. She's like, Filch, get Slytherin out of here. It's fucking feel... awesome. Yeah, that was uh, interesting because then like, what they're about to like, I forget. How, how does that happen right before I like I was trying to remember like one of the one of the people in Slytherin tries to basically call Harry out for something yeah they say something like you can either like help us or something someone's like, oh yeah Voldemort does his little like PA blast mind PA blast where right he, like gets in everyone's head to tell him like give up Harry right and then they're like oh we'll do it and then that's when Minerva's like take them all down to the dungeon <laughs> take these children down to the dungeon <laughs> And we'll let them out, you know, who knows? Maybe later. Um, uh, they get let out. Yeah, they get let out. Yeah, they they all will get let out, which is pretty interesting. Well, two of them join Draco later, so. Yes. Which is fun. But, uh, um, and so she the also next... activates the, the stone soldiers. Okay, so that's the next thing that happens, right? She activates the stone soldiers. Um, the order is also, by the way, people, they show up. Yeah, they show up too, yeah. So the order rolls in. Uh, you've got, like, a lot of dope people there. You've got... Like, he's got style. Mrs. Mrs. Yeah, you've got Mrs. Weasley there. Uh, she is... Mrs. Weasley, I feel really bad for, uh, for a number of reasons, which we'll get to. But also, um, in this scene, like, you could tell she's just scared. Yeah. Right? Yeah. She's, she's just, got a lot of kids. Like, Minerva's like, oh, I always wanted to use that spell. Uh, when she activates all the stones, and and she just looks at her like, this isn't a time to be celebrating anything. She's like, I have like eight children. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's why. That's why I kind of felt with Megano. She's a little like sometimes all over the place with her emotions. Sometimes, it's sure. Like, she gets them like obviously they want to have a little bit of brevity in this movie. That's kind of dark and death filled. Yeah. <laughs> um, there there was like a little bit of a moment, by the way, with uh, Ginny and Harry. When they come back, you know, they kind of give each other that look, get a little hug there, but uh, nothing big. Still, yeah, they say they save their their moment till a little later when they're about to die. Yeah, they still don't get quite enough time. I really felt like at one point during the movies, they were going to give them the appropriate time together, and that was uh, the first time they get attacked by the Death Eaters, and like Harry and Ginny like run out together. I'm like, okay, cool. Like you're having them like you're showing that she's a badass, and they're doing stuff together. Like this is good. Like, if they leaned into that more, it would have yeah. been better. But they just kind of dropped it after that. It's uh, sort of disappointing, especially yeah. just because of the way, obviously, they know it's going to end. They they should have spent... I wish we had gotten a little bit more time with Ginny and Harry doing things together. Um, now, they go... Harry knows, hey, this thing, this diadem, I got to find it. Whatever it is, this is something of Ravenclaw's. I don't know what I'm looking for exactly. Uh, it's like a crown, something like that. You know, obviously Luna Lovegood earlier was just like, oh, the lost, the lost item of Rowena Ravenclaw. No one alive has seen it. And it was, I love during that scene, Ron's like, here we go. Yeah. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Let's, Luna. Uh, it, like, yeah, it's a lost. She's like, that's the point. Like, of course, what better thing to have be a Horcrux than something that's been missing? Yeah. they kind of So they basically three groups split up. So Harry goes and looks for... The crown. Uh, Ron and Hermione decide that they need something to destroy it with, so right. they just go down into to, to the chamber of secrets to go get a basilisk tooth. Uh, one to destroy the cup, and then another one to get for Harry. Uh, and then the, everyone else, McGonagall and the Order, and everything are preparing for battle. 
So they get the shield ready up, uh, all set up, and then, um, you know, just kind of get the defenses going uh, in the kind of chaos. There's a lot of just, like, children running around scenes. <laughs> yeah. Well, so what's interesting is the Battle of Hogwarts stuff doesn't actually really start until Harry gets back from Ravenclaw yeah. Tower, which yeah. in the books, though, it does, none of this stuff really starts till after Ravenclaw Tower, unlike in the I, movie where, like, everything's happening at the same time. Yeah, they have this kind of two-part battle, like the night battle and then the morning battle type of thing. Um, but they just sort of like, the, you know, in these kind of scenes where Harry's sort of running to get to the Ravenclaw area. And then also there's just like these like extras just kind of scattering. And then when it comes back, they're all just scattering again. I'm like, where are the people all going? <laughs> right. Um, the Ravenclaw Tower stuff in the book's really cool. He gets into like a dope fight there and everything. Uh, none of that's left. You actually see Harry heading there in the movie, and Luna's like, wait, where are you going? Yeah. It's like, I have an idea. You should go talk to the ghost, yeah. the gray lady. And it was funny how she stops him. She's like, you f-, she's like, Harry Potter, you asshole, stop walking right now. Yeah. <laughs> the he's first just time she's ignoring ever ignoring her, that. which is so stupid because he bothered to listen to her earlier, and then it's like, okay, cool, thanks. Like, you gave me enough info to go on. And she's like, I have more to tell you. Shut up. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Listen to me, you idiot. She's amazing. Um her story in the future uh because she does survive it is um she ends up being sort of like an Indiana Jones-esque character and going on like adventures. She becomes like an adventurer, which is like really cool, cool for her because she like loves all these mysteries of magic, you know? Yeah, like a true Ravenclaw. Yeah. No, she's she's the coolest Ravenclaw and one of the best characters in the whole series. Um so Here's a fun thing. Harry goes, talks to this ghost. I think this scene was really done well. I found her a little creepy. How about you? Yeah, uh, Kelly McDonald can play a creepy ghost. <laughs> um, and she's, I think she has her Irish accent here a yeah, little bit. A little but, bit. Yeah. I love that Like she is Ravenclaw's daughter and like people can talk to her. I, th- I find that so fascinating. And it's interesting how over time people have just learned to ignore this woman. Yeah. I think I feel bad for her in that way. Yes. It's why she's sad. Um, you know, she is compelled to give Harry the information because Harry clearly is, by the way, things he tells her he wants to do proves that he is not like Tom Riddle. But it, it's it's curious. There's a slight change they make here. In the original story, Tom Riddle is the one who hides the crown in the Room of Requirement, whereas in this story, she hid it there. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, it's just like... Uh, a lot of funny little changes like that. Um, don't yeah, how would she even have access to that <laughs> that room? That's a well. I get. I mean, she can go in a painting. She could probably go wherever the hell she wants. It's true. I just feel like how, I'm carrying a physical object through a wall. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> um, uh, and then there's during all this, um, Seamus and Longbottom are gonna blow up that rickety old bridge that they keep implying is wood and rickety. <laughs> right. And then also, like, is this also at the same time now when random people just start rolling into Hogwarts and fighting? Yeah, because basically up at the front you have, like, giants and some of the Death Eaters that are coming. And then in the back, all the Snatchers. Yeah. So, like, <laughs> Snatchers the... are starting to roll in. Um, but then McGonagall, they put the shield up and everything's kind of okay as long as that shield is up. Shield is up, but they kind of have these sort of launching kind of magic uh, catapult stuff at it. <laughs> right. Well, Voldemort and his crew roll in. Um and when Voldemort and his crew roll in, it's funny 
what's his face? Lucius is there, and he's like, shouldn't we, like, not do this right now? Yeah. Like, doesn't this seem like a bad idea? But, of course, they go on with it, and they just, like, start volleying energy. Uh, Everybody likes, like, a little energy orbs, right? You got one big energy orb. They're they're shooting energy orbs. Just energy orbs going on (laughs) everywhere. It's like very, it's very like, uh, Dragon Ball Z. Very, very Phantom Menace. Yeah, <laughs> a little the gung- bit. Gungans and the, the droids. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> um, I really like the shield, though, because of the scene with like all the werewolves and the snatchers and shit coming and from the Forbidden vaporized. Forest. Yeah. yeah. I think that's a lot of fun. Um, yeah. I think Neville, some, I thought, some... was crazy cool. for being all the way at the end of the bridge. Yeah, Neville. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah. I thought that <laughs> Ta- was... Taunting them. Kind of nuts. Um, but I get it. It's, it's, I think it was all fun. And then they blow it up basically when they, after the shield breaks because Voldemort's like, fuck this noise. And then he uses his Elder Wand because while this is happening, um, the uh, Hermione and Ron get to the Basilisk tooth and then they use it to stab the cup. Hells yeah. And that's why Voldemort knows he's like, fuck. They're like, Hells yeah. Starting to kill my shit. So he's like, I'm going to use the wand. He basically destroys the shield, but it, start, it, it starts to shatter the wand. And then he realizes, like, what the hell? Like, I thought I was, I could control his power. Why does it seem like it doesn't want me to control this? So he then kills that one dude, that one uh, head of the ministry. That's kind of like, maybe we shouldn't do this. He's like, fuck you. Yeah. He's <laughs> <laughs> like, I have a, a dabber kababa. Because he's super pissed off. Yeah. Um, so then, after, so they destroy the cup, and then that's at the exact same time, that's when Harry real like you know figures out it's in the room of requirement. So then, him, Ron, and Hermione go there, but then Draco infiltrates the the Hogwarts, and he's joined up with Blaze and Goyle, and they have this big showdown in the room of requirement. Right. Where Goyle lights himself on fire and is burned to death. <laughs> yeah, the fire spell that he uses is really interesting. Uh, I thought it was cool. I thought this scene was cool. I was just that was, I was like, oh my god. <laughs> uh, and also, did you notice Crab was no longer around? <laughs> yeah, I'm assuming he he dropped out after like whatever before uh, Half Blood Prince. Yeah, because because I think like that's when they introduce Blaze and in, is in Half Blood Prince. And I think he kind of takes over for correct for Crab. They're like, we need da- we need some diversity here. <laughs> like we've already changed Lavender Brown. We need to <laughs> we need to go back the other way. So he used Fiend Fire, and Fiend Fire is like super powerful. Uh, so powerful that it's very difficult to control. Control, yeah, right. Uh, which, by the way, did you notice right before this, he fucking tried to Avada Kedavra Hermione? Yeah, yeah, that Holy was holy uh, shit! It's I, yeah, that's crazy. Like everyone was shocked by that. Ron fucking just chases after him when he does that. <laughs> yeah, he's like, "You fucking asshole!" It, I just, quite frankly, don't understand it. When you're out there fighting, they don't seem to really be doing Avada Kedavra spells. They should be. Everyone should just be shooting those. Right? Yeah, you would. You would think that's the most effective way to stop somebody. Yeah, um, but of course, like as we know, Draco, although he's a bad piece of shit and he's kind of evil, he still wasn't that bad, and he didn't want that to happen. Uh, and so Harry saves him very kindly. He saves and Blaze. Him. him and Blaze. Yeah, <laughs> Blaze with the fire. Uh, fun fact here: the 
fiend fire being thrown uh when they close the room of requirement the crown is actually destroyed by it in the book yeah because they basically stab the the crown with the the, the yeah. tooth and then it's like oh no and then he th- kicks ron kicks it into the room yep. before the door closes and that's kind of it for the room of requirement although i would imagine it can come back later it'll clean itself up yeah i mean it can come back in various forms of itself so at some point or another we'll go like where does it go it's a great question yeah um it's like so. a t- it's like one of the tents john where like it's a little tent but actually it's huge on the inside that's true it's basically the room of requirement <laughs> it um, is whatever you need so then when harry when they destroy this harry gets another vision and he realizes that nagini is one of the final horcruxes right uh and during all of this the fights are going on and like you said snape is real um Voldemort's realizing he is running out of power and that's why he needs to uh, get the wand to work for him because the wand does not belong to him. The wand is not loyal to him and so he believes he needs to kill Snape to do it and he's terrified now because he realizes he only has one Horcrux left uh, and he does not realize that Harry is a Horcrux either because it was inadvertent Uh, and this is the point in which Harry realizes he is a Horcrux. Yeah, so wait, before before they get down to the boathouse, um, they're kind of running through the courtyard, and there's this big battle. There's, like, the giants, like, swinging at them, and they're kind of blasting stuff. And then there's, like, a shocking part where um, Lavender Brown's getting her face eaten off by a werewolf. Yeah, dude, it's <laughs> fucked up. Uh, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of bad stuff going on. Um, yeah, a lot of bad stuff. But they fight their way down to the boathouse. Right. Because that's where they know Voldemort is. And he's meeting with Snape. And he's like, I need to kill the wand's pre-owner to take it. You killed Dumbledore, so I must kill you. Which we know because of the story of the three brothers. It was that whoever like killed the person who took the wand, you know? Yeah. So it was believed that it was you had to murder the former owner. But that's actually not the truth. Yes. Um. Harry and friends are kind of awkwardly hiding just outside the <laughs> the window there, like while this is going on. Um, and then they kind of come in after Voldemort leaves to say goodbye to a dying Snape. Um, yeah. Um, sad, sad Snape starts to cry. And it's and actually like, in in the books, it's a lot sadder. Like it's like the memories are sort of just like pouring out of him, and he creates like the uh, the jar as opposed to like where he just has a couple of teardrops. Yeah. But he's just like, he's like, look at me, like, take my memories. Wow. So sad. Yeah. It is Poor quite Snape. sad. Um, and then this is where the ceasefire takes place, right? Yeah. Because basically after this point, uh, Voldemort sends out another mind PA, <laughs> mind system amber alert. And he's like, you know, um, none of you will die if you like let Harry come meet me in the Forbidden Forest. Right. The, yeah. And this can all be over. And so uh, the battle ends. Everyone kind of goes back to their sides. Um, You know, we learn in the battle that Fred Weasley dies. Also, Remus dies. And Tonks dies. Which, so here's something that you don't see in the movie. You are introduced to the grand, sorry, the godson of Harry Potter, which is the child of Remus and Tonks. They had a baby together. Yes, and who was that again? I, I mean, it's not introduced in the movie at all. Oh, okay. <laughs> I was 
like in sure. the last one they say they got married and i think they're having a kid but like i don't even know if they actually even say they had the child yet or if they did like it they don't they basically leave the whole fact out which is crazy because it's kind of a big moment in many ways um it's uh harry's uh i guess you would call him like his nephew uh the kid's name is teddy and teddy is meant to sort of represent harry because like harry's parents both died in the last war and you know harry's only remaining family after that would have been his godfather which was Sirius. so now harry is sort of like the serious black to this child in many ways that's cool yeah it's a little sad though and a little kind of screwed up yeah they kind of get a very unceremonious death here yes because it's off screen and then you just kind of like, oh, look at that. They're, they died. Yeah. And that is a little bit in the way it works actually in the books. And I kind of I appreciate that a little bit in the way that like you're paying attention to one thing and then you kind of they survive it. And it's like, oh, thank God they made it out of this. And then suddenly you see like, oh, not everyone else has made it. And it's like you don't even get to know what happened. You're just like because there's nothing you could have done. It's just a matter of like they're gone. Yeah. I you guess know. maybe I wanted one like Remus Harry kind of scene before the battle. Yeah, I think I think seeing um I think seeing Ron's brother die actually would have been of seeing out of seeing everyone get killed, I think getting to see him pass would have been the better. Yeah, I think so. More impactful one. Uh which that was a really sad scene when he yeah. goes over to see his brother dead. Yeah. And I think it actually is really the only explanation for why when Harry now um so i mean i guess let's talk about the memories right we should talk about what he sees so john walk me through your feelings on these memories um i they're like the early stuff with between snape and lily it's a little weird Mm -hmm. (laughs) a little weirdly shot like that location that they're at but um but yeah i think it's kind of like this sort of sad story about like kind of how snape should have really been james's dad uh, harry's dad well i mean that's not necessarily true she she shouldn't have to be with this nerd no but they kind of like i got i got the feeling like walking away from the story that like they kind of push james potter out of the way a little bit and it becomes like a lot about like lily becomes like the central parental figure to harry and then it kind of is framed now in this sort of snape lily kind of thing well, I mean, the whole point is just supposed to be that Snape loved Lily, and that was the reason why he decided to protect Harry. Yeah, yeah. I just, I just think in this sort of crowded sort of guardian sort of play here, James kind of gets pushed out a bit right. of this whole story. And even well, when like, he later- he didn't really care about James, so he wouldn't be... A, like, these are Snape's memories. No, 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 but even later when he you know realizes he has a stone and then sees the ghost of everybody james is kind of awkwardly framed away from lily <laughs> sure and to the side and yeah. like he only gets like one line sure snape's not there though no no no. but i'm just saying like they really do make it about like lily yeah. kind of becomes that like, is the central that is figure. more the movie than the book yeah that's it seems that way yeah that is that's definitely more movie than the book um so the big reveal obviously is that snape was good the whole time and Dumbledore or to, told him to kill him. Yes. I mean, good the whole time. Like, so there are a lot of people out there that love Snape and that are like, no, he was great the whole time. He's like actually the best. And like, I'm like, no, I mean, he actually was a Death Eater and then he turned. So like he actually was bad. But then once it affected him, he was like, oh, I don't stand for this anymore. 
But, like, he actually kind of was a piece of shit. And just because he's been repenting for that and trying to do the good thing for the last 18 years doesn't suddenly make him, I think, a good person. I just think it makes him a complicated person that's done good things and bad things. But I'm not suddenly going to be like, oh, no, Snape's actually amazing. It's like he was all for all the nasty, evil shit Voldemort was for until they targeted the woman that he loved, you know? It's very yeah, like but... it's very like oh I don't want it's like these Trump supporters like oh I don't want the Mexicans here and then like you hear about that woman like her husband is deported because you know <laughs> and it's like oh well I didn't think I would be affected directly yeah um I would say I think everybody in this movie like I think the the, the whole point of the story is that everybody has their baggage and their problems like no one is yes there are some truly evil people in this in this world like Voldemort but a lot of these like kind of characters that are in between here they're like you know they're not everyone's not completely clean sure you know like if James hadn't bullied Snape would he have gone down the path of you know becoming a death yeah, eater he was put into Slytherin so some not all Slytherin end up end up being death eaters yeah so, so now the thing we learn is Snape found out that the Potters were being targeted before yes. they were targeted and he goes to tell Dumbledore and Dumbledore's like, why would you come to me now, you know, and tell me this? And it's you find out it's because, like, he doesn't really care necessarily about Harry as much. It's like he just wants to protect Lily. Now, yeah. the reason for this is they show a clip of, you remember, the prophecy? Yes. So what do you know about the prophecy? Because they also did, this is a poor thing, they did a poor job of. They give us, I think, just enough in the movies of the prophecy, but there are things about it that are that I haven't actually gone over with you. So I'm curious what your take now, based on having seen only the movies, what is the prophecy? Um, I th- is, Isn't the prophecy... It is, it's about the Horcrux inside Harry, right? No. Uh, okay. A little bit. I mean, a little bit. So the pro- here's the prophecy that was made. Because it was made before Harry was, you know, attacked or anything. So the one with the power to vanquish the Dark Lord approaches, born to those who have thrice defied him, born as the seventh month dies so at the end of somewhere at the end of july right and the dark lord and and the dark lord will mark him as his equal but he will have the power the dark lord knows not which that's talking about the horcrux and either must die at the hand of the other which is why voldemort's like only i can kill him for neither can live while the other survives the one with the power to vanquish the dark lord will be born as the seventh month dies now so voldemort took this to assume Harry, because Harry was born at the end of July. Here's something you don't know. Okay. Shake my world. Harry's not the only one that was born at the end of July, and he's not the only one in, to whom this fits. There is one other person to whom this fits, and that was Neville Longbottom. Neville Longbottom also, so at this time, they did not know, is the prophecy about Neville or is it about Harry? And if you remember correctly, remember when they were looking for the prophecies and we found out, the reason they had to lure Harry there is because you can't actually find a prophecy unless it's about you. Correct. Remember how Neville goes, Harry, there it is. It has your name on it. Yeah, because he also sees it. Yes, which means the prophecy was about both of them in many ways. Hmm. And something like Dumbledore actually says in the books is it could have possibly been Neville. Like, it's just that you were chosen, you know? like that's why Neville was able to bring forth the sword to kill Nagini. Because he was worthy. Yes. yes, and he asked for it. And in many ways, if you think about it, Neville's the one who destroys Voldemort. Yeah. 
Now that's how it works in the in the movie when he kills Nagini, Voldemort dies. That's not what happens in the books. Um, I see. Which we will get to. So in the movie, <laughs> Neville's actually the one who fulfills the prophecy in many ways. Um, but it's funny because Dumbledore and Harry have a conversation about the prophecy and being like, "Well, like I am, you know, is the prophecy real?" And he's like, "In many ways, Voldemort made the prophecy real. He was so afraid of the prophecy that he fulfilled it by by following through on the prophecy, like." By attacking you and your mother casting that spell, that the charm that protects him, and then having the curse bounce back against him, he created you, you know, forcing the prophecy to become real. Um, it's all, like, it's very interesting. It actually gives you, like, a really interesting insight, I think, on Neville. And yeah. explains why his parents were also targeted and tortured. So, which like it's fucked up. His parents aren't dead. They're in like an insane asylum. They're at like a mental hospital, and that's a part of the books where they go to the mental hospital. Oh, um, really? I yeah. Thought they died. No, and you know who else is at that mental hospital now? So yeah, yeah. Gilderoy Lockhart is there uh, at Saint Mungo's Hospital. That's where Neville's parents are. That's the name of it. Oh, jeez. Uh, they and they go there and they visit someone else as well. That's it's right. because cr- he vanquished his own memory. Correct. That's right. So that's yep. why he's yep. A rebounded spell. Um, so it's really interesting. It's like very cool. It's a very cool twist. And it's a bit that I think would have been hard to... It, it kind of would have been hard to put that in the movie without a lot of exposition. Yes. I think that would I would have made that. Yeah. So, I so think it was like, much cleaner just to be like, they're dead here. Yeah. <laughs> and it's uh, and also just all the stuff about Neville. Like explaining all that would require exposition. And it probably wouldn't have been done well. Um, at least in a movie series, you know, in a televised longer run series, you could do it. So I'm glad that they left bits of it in, like the moment where Neville points out the prophecy. But it's a shame that he doesn't get quite as much due credit as he was deserved. And it's nice that it sort of takes away the chosen one a little bit from Harry, right? It gives a little bit more um, autonomy back to Harry's decisions. He wasn't necessarily just destined to do these things. In fact, the only reason he was... that he did these things is because he thought he was supposed to, and he followed through on them. And so he made good on them. But like, had he not, maybe it wouldn't have happened. Like that's the thing about prophecies. Sometimes people make them happen. It's not that they had to. So that being said, Harry is now very sad, recognizes his fate. He knows he is a Horcrux. As Snape said to Dumbledore, you're raising him to be slaughtered like livestock, like a pig. Uh, and we see a very much colder version of Dumbledore here, and Dumbledore is just saying, like, so you'll protect him forever. Uh, and what does Snape show him? His Patronus. Which was the dough. Yeah, which, where did you see the dough? In Deathly Hallows Part 1 that showed him where the sword was. Correct, which is how we know that Snape was the one who brought him the sword, which is how we know the sword got there, because Snape took it out of the headmaster's office and brought it there. Good old Snape. What a good guy. Yeah. What a good guy. So Harry's <laughs> like, all right, um, I'll miss you guys. I'm going to go see Voldemort. Yeah, he's like, I'm going to go out in the woods and face him directly. Um, he's like, bye, everybody. And before he gets there, he finds the, or he basically reaches in a pocket and he has the snitch. And then he's like, I open at the close, which is like, I open when you're about to die. <laughs> right, so he opens at the close. So this snitch says... I open up the clothes, which means, as you said, when you're about to die, what it actually means is when Harry accepts his fate of death. Yes. Now, why is there? Why is this the case, John? Why do you think, and how do you think this works? Uh, because what's inside of it? 
<laughs> yes, the final piece of the Deathly Hallows, which this is the resurrection stone, and it was inside the ring that uh that had the Horcrux. So the resurrection stone I see. combined with the other Deathly Hallows, which Harry is the owner of. Um, he is the owner of the wand. He's the owner of the uh, invisibility cloak. And now the resurrection stone. They the being the owner of all three only really works if you've accepted death, and that was what that one master of death had done. He had accepted death, which basically made him the ruler of death, and that's what the Deathly Hallows tells you. But a lot of people misunderstand that. They think they can just wield the power. And so once Harry accepted his death, that's when he was able to use the ability. And so when Voldemort does ultimately cast the killing curse on him... I I assume that when Voldemort does it, he says, you know, Cadabra... Avada Kedavra. Avada Kedavra in such like a Avada Kedavra. Like he says, Avada Kedavra. I'm assuming, like, you know, because they kind of set up in the first and second movies, like, you kind of have to say it in a certain way for it to work. I'm assuming he just kind of fucked up the saying of it. (laughs) It felt felt to me like he was doing like a. Like, like he was like kind of. But I'm saying, like, how magic, you kind of have to do it right. You know, you have to say it right. You can't, you can't, you know, you can't elongate certain words and certain letters, or else the spells are going to work as correctly. Right? No, that's not not necessarily true. Leviosa. It's not, it's not necessarily Leviosa. true because you also keep in mind once you've mastered the basics of the spells, you don't even need to use the words to say them. All right, all right. Uh, I was just trying to make a joke. Yeah. Well, John, Harry Potter serious business. <laughs> so uh, Harry goes to heaven. Or he goes to a weird uh, train station where he first sees... Well, and what's... Yeah, he sees Dumbledore. Oh, right. He sees Fetus Voldemort. Yeah, he sees Fetus. Damn it, you took my... <laughs> Everyone knows that. It's a. It's like... It's a thing. That term is yeah. a thing, John. It okay. does look like a fetus. It, it, it is. It's... it's. Yeah. It's a fetus. It is. Let's just say that. It's Plain a, and simple. Yeah. It's gross. Yeah. I mean, we've seen it before. We've seen it in... Uh, Goblet of Fire, when he gets dropped <laughs> into the cauldron. That's true. That's true. But not all bloody and... No. No. Not without the a- not with the afterbirth. I'm assuming that's because like that's pieces of Harry. <laughs> right. <laughs> that he's... <laughs> that's in him. <laughs> Gross. Um, so this scene, because then Dumbledore comes in, and they kind of have a long chat um, just about how he was a horcrux, and, you know, he gets to now go back... If I he chooses, he didn't he, have to. He could choose true. to just die here. That's funny. But I think it, it, what was really funny about this scene was that Voldemort, or Dumbledore keeps like trying to leave, and then Harry's like, "But Dumbledore," and he keeps like turning around, and being like, "What?" <laughs> yeah. Um. You know what's interesting is Harry like has invisibility cloak when he first goes out to see Voldemort. They didn't have him with that in the movie. Mm. Because and he drops the stone ahead of time. But the point is like he has everything with him. Even if it's not necessarily on his person, he's still the it's, owner of it. It's in proximity. He has good Wi-Fi. Yeah. So. Well, and he's the owner of it because the thing we've been taught, and it's why like they had Ollivander do that scene earlier, is like these things belong to you because they choose you. They do sort of have their own power and will. Yeah. The Bluetooth is strong between the connections, yeah. so it can be kind of around the corner. It's got so. airplay. Yeah. <laughs> um. So then he uh kind of he returns to his body, but he doesn't quite wake up alive yet he's still kind of laying on the ground and then draco's mother goes over to confirm and then realizes that he's alive but then tells voldemort he's dead right which is so crazy right like 
literally yes. the fate of everything hinges on a Malfoy for a small amount of time. Yeah, for them turning, <laughs> turning, right? Yeah, and assume it's because Draco told her about it. he saved her, saved him in the rumor requirement. Uh, yeah, and I also think that it, uh, well, no, it's more that I think she's oh, not it, dead, they, and she yeah. just wants to know if he's alive, and because Harry told her that he's alive, she's just like, okay, I can maybe save my son still. Like, I'm going to help you if you tell me if he's alive or not. I see. Okay. I I kind of misheard, like, sort of interpreted that scene <laughs> a little bit, but I get now that he's he was, when he said he's alive, he's talking about Draco. <laughs> I thought he was talking about himself. Oh, no, no, no. Um, Hagrid's there, too. They captured him. So yeah, they make really Hagrid... up. <laughs> yeah. He's like, Harry, what are you doing? Get out of here. Um, but then they forced Hagrid to carry the body of uh, uh, Harry. Hagrid yeah. to carry the body of Harry. Even, which, and ha- Hagrid doesn't know he's not dead. Correct. Which I think <laughs> this is a really clever thing to do because it's sort of like if they just came back and were like, we killed Harry, people might not believe them. But by having Hagrid bring Harry's dead body back, everyone's going to believe it. You know? And that's an True. important thing. Uh, and it's really the only reason they don't kill Hagrid there. Is because they need him to deliver the message that it's over. Yes, it's just over. Because keep in mind, all of this, the whole war that's happening right now, is literally like everyone's fighting because they're trying to get Harry. Not anything or anyone else. Yeah, it's, technically as soon as Harry's dead. Like they, Voldemort's they, like, we can stop now. We can really <laughs> go after the real you know, menace here, the, which is the muggles. The, yeah, we can stop now. But in a week, if you're in Mudblood, we're coming back for you. Yeah, basically. <laughs> Hermione, we're going to come for you. Right. Um, yeah, so then there's, I'm trying to think, uh, in this moment also right before this, Neville finds a sorting hat in the rubble. Yes. So he's carrying that around. Um, I'm surprised the the sorting hat didn't talk (laughs) at any point, you know, just because he talked in the first two movies. Yeah, so something that happens here is he has this, like, interesting scene with Voldemort. Uh, by the way, the actor that plays Voldemort... (laughs) Um, Ralph Fiennes. Ralph Fiennes. The scene where he, you know, he says, like, join us now. Like, if you want, you know, you can join us. Like, we're all cool here, right? It's interesting that almost no one comes over first. The first person to come was Draco because her mom's like, come on, Draco, come, get over here. Yeah. And Ralph Fiennes. Oh, the hug? Yeah, the hug. That was improv. Oh, really? (laughs) Yeah, that is not part of the script. He just, like, does it. And it was so creepy that (laughs) they left it. Such an uncomfortable hug. Yeah, it was completely improvised. It was not in the script. It doesn't happen in the books. He just does it, and everyone's like, ugh. <laughs> uh, yeah, um, I thought that was a very fun, fun moment And Neville there. does a pretty ballsy thing here, pretty much like the way Harry did in the uh, Great Hall, and he just like kind of starts shit-talking yeah, Voldemort. Yeah, he's, like, he's like, fuck you, Voldemort. Um, Voldemort in the book sets the hat on fire, which sets Neville on fire here. He doesn't kill Neville, but oh, it's very, yeah, very different scene. And they hear the the hat burning. Oh my god, I'm burning. Um, then as if they were coordinating or something, but Neville, upon Neville's sort of heroic standing up to Voldemort, Harry jumps out of Hagrid's arms. Yes, and is like, "Fuck you, Voldemort!" But then a big shootout starts happens and. Uh, Voldemort's like, I'm gonna kill you, Harry, and like, you know, starts going after him while everyone, the other groups, like, we gotta get the snake because the snake is the last one, right? So 
here's where things are kind of drastically different. Um, you have a number of fights going on. One of them that we see is we see Bellatrix try to fucking kill uh, Ron's sister, Ginny. Yes. <laughs> and, and that's when Mrs. Weasley uh, is like, don't you fucking touch my daughter. She fucking loses it. So she goes after her. So what is the, the spell f- she uses? Uh, that I was actually just looking that up. Because she doesn't use the killing curse. She does almost something worse, which is she basically, like, puts, like... Uh, I see. So... <laughs> she freezes her and then smashes her into tiny pieces. But she basically freezes Bellatrix the Strange. She freezes her, and, yeah. and then she kind of, like, stiffens up and then costs, like, basically a kind of, like, a shock spell. And then it, like... Yeah. Like, it's like liquid nitrogen, basically. <laughs> yeah. Which I the... feel like is a way more fucked up thing to do to somebody. <laughs> Than a abracadabra, abracadabra, whatever. It looks like, like it honestly looks like uh, it's so like in the in the book she does have the thing too. Not my daughter, you bitch, which was interesting to hear her say. Um, yeah, it's very from aliens. Get away yeah. from her, you bitch. And then they kind of ha- after she does after basically she kills Bellatrix, they kind of hang on her a little too long of like her kind of smiling <laughs> that she just murdered this person. I don't know. They should have cut that like a couple. Yeah, seconds. she doesn't explode in the books. She just freezes. She kind of just got her in the heart. So she, like she like was petrified, sort of like a petrifying spell, paralyzing spell, and then like her heart sort of explodes and she like topples over. Whereas in the movie, she literally like freezes and explodes. Uh, they just for whatever reason take it a lot more literally, which is why you can't find an exact answer for it online because they don't even say in the books what spell she uses. They just describe what happens to Bellatrix. Um, yeah, I think I think if you just judging by you know like in Half-Blood Prince when Draco does the petrifying spell in Harry, it's kind of you don't really uh, visually kind of know what's going on. It's kind of all quick and happens. So maybe they right. they just want to some, do something that like visually just looks more like satisfying. <laughs> so. What's really cool about all of this happening is Harry and Voldemort basically just having a fucking wild duel while uh, Hermione and Ron are going after Nagini. And then it is, as we know, Neville is the one who ends up chopping its head off. But they're having this crazy fucking back and forth with Nagini, uh, even though Voldemort at the same time is trying to protect Nagini while also fighting Harry, who is <laughs> Nagini is like fighting Ron and Hermione. And they're just going all over the fucking place with this. Yeah. Uh, Aberforth has shown up, which he showed up at the end of last fight. So you still have like the order there, kicking butt, taking names. Um, in the books, it is a lot more. It's a very, 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 very different fight. It's a very different fight. Yeah. Um. So in the books, it is basically like two fights. It's basically like Bellatrix's fight and Voldemort's fight. Hmm. So it's literally like they end up having a fight in front of everyone. And then, of course, like they're going after Nagini at the same time. I see. But it it's it's less of a big battle, which is sort of still kind of raging on in many ways. Yeah. Um. There's clearly a lot less of the bad guys than there were during this battle uh, than the other ones. But there is still a bigger fight happening. Um. I'm just trying to get the exact names of everyone because McGonagall is one of the ones fighting Voldemort. Yeah, she doesn't really. No. You don't really see her in this in these moments here. Even, uh, is it, uh, Slughorn's doing some fight? <laughs> I think you and I laughed at that moment when I think it's Harry walks in after the final battle and it's like Slughorn looks over and he's like, eh, Harry. <laughs> Just kind of gives him this sort of such a weird nod. 
Okay, so here's what happens in the books, and then we'll go back to the movies. Okay. And this is why it's important, uh, and I wanted to get everything correct here. So when they restart the fight, right? Yeah. Kind of a lot happens at once, and uh, by the way, Greyback gets killed, gets defeated by Ron. <laughs> um, well, they kind of they kind of imply that he gets defeated after they they find him eating. Yeah, lavender. but Ron like actually gets to do that, which is really kind of awesome. Yeah. Um, but Voldemort, right after Harry reveals himself, he's dueling with Minerva, Horus, Slughorn, and Kingsley Shacklebot, uh, your favorite guy. Ah, so yeah. the three of them are dueling while Mos- Molly Weasley is dueling with Bellatrix. And they're like, she's basically the last Death Eater. Because as you notice, like the rest of them like bailed. <laughs> so and like, then yeah. after she dies, it all turns back to Voldemort. Mm. Um, so Voldemort turns on Molly Weasley and Harry Potter casts a shield charm, saving her. Uh, mm. And that's when Harry reveals himself. So actually the reveal is very different in the book than the movie. Because in the book, they're just having that conversation. Harry just tumbles out of Hagrid. Yeah. And just like makes a run for it. In this, like they're actually fighting for themselves and then Harry makes the reveal when it made sense. Ah, like, so he to kind of heroically Molly. comes to save Right. The day. He waited until like he needed to be used to do it. Like because they were all <laughs> they were all holding their own, so he waited until like there was a reason to use this opportunity. I see. And at this point, Nagini is also no more. So like they're fighting each other and they're circling each other. It's basically just Harry and Voldemort circling each other. Everyone is around them. Everyone is watching, which is really cool. And they're like in the Great Hall. Yeah. They're like out there in fucking Hogwarts. And Harry just straight up tells him like, you can't beat me. And Voldemort, they get into sort of like that entanglement. And Voldemort's own curse rebounds on him because the wand is loyal to Harry and not Voldemort. Hmm. And it, he ends up killing himself. And Voldemort does not disappear. His body fucking just stiffens up. And they bring his body in for everyone to see that he's dead. Mm-hmm. I see. Yeah. Pretty fucking cool. Yeah. I think that would have been... I, they, The way they go about it in the movie, I think it's fine. <laughs> that probably would have been better. Yeah. because uh, My only problem with the way that they do it in the movie is when... And it's very cool the way Neville kills Nagini. It's awesome. Yeah. But that is the death of Voldemort in the movie. Whereas, like, Voldemort himself still should have been killed. Like, they should have had... You should have seen the blast rebound. Yeah, he's still, like, a physical part of his being. He just isn't now. Right. His soul isn't in anything else. That's the last of him. Correct. I, I think... I think that was like a little bit of a misstep. That being said, the Thanos disappearing effect was fucking awesome. So it's okay. It's totally fine. Um, but it is interesting that they didn't even have to fight him. They could have all just focused on Nagini. <laughs> right? Yeah. Uh, and then that's it. They they kind of wrap up. Um, everyone else that is fighting them leaves. Yep. Voldemort it, is dead. Quick, uh, yeah, kind of a quick epilogue here. Of them all kind of regrouping in the in the in the great hall. Yeah, know. everyone's kind of numb. Some people are, you know, I mean, it's it's weird. I'm sure everyone is conflicting with emotions, right? Everyone's very happy for the first time in their lives. The, their life, the boogeyman is gone, right? Yes. Yeah. Um, it's like you know, it's interesting. Cause we're recording on September 11th. It is probably very similar in many ways to you know kids grew up with like hearing the name osama bin laden like this evil guy right 
And then when he finally died, like, there were so many people that were almost, like, cheering, even though it's like, all this terrible stuff happened. Yeah. Um, It's almost a little bit like that, right? Because I know you were just sort of like, oh, n- like, and it, it's a fair, it's a fair criticism that people don't necessarily seem like they just lost their family and friends yeah i guess i i understand that like what else are you gonna do you know it's like you you should be a little bit upbeat because you know voldemort is dead and you know and this is it yeah this is it so it's like but yeah the people that died they they didn't die in vain right they succeeded right like this is the thing that they wanted yeah it's just like Maybe maybe it's mostly just Slughorn, like I said. It's a little just like yeah, he, yeah. He's just he's a little oblivious. <laughs> he's a little oblivious to everything. The per, you know who I th- I think the saddest as much as Tonks and Lupin is really sad. I think the death like no more Fred and George like that that shop of theirs is going to be so sad now. Yeah, yeah. It's it, it won't be the same, but no. You know, I think George will find a way to carry on. Yeah, maybe Percy will help him. He'll tr- change his ways. Ugh. <laughs> um, Gross. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then and then we get to the best part of the movie. Well, no. So <laughs> Harry, they go out to the, the bridge oh, yes, and Harry right. yeah. breaks the Elder Wand. And this is the thing. This is of all the book changes. And I, I know. I went over a lot of like book differences in this one. And that's because I think for finale, it's, you know, with Game of Thrones, it's still expected they're going to end very similar. Um. Yeah. I think anything that's supposed to be final should still land at the same place. And the fact that he destroys one of, yeah, he just kind of snaps it in his hand. Yeah, and that doesn't happen in the books. He actually buries it. He buries it back with Dumbledore. Uh, for the same reason. You know, it. it the way he says it is that he's like, if I die, then it's then it's gone, right? Like, if no one can take it from me and I die, like, then it's over. Uh, it loses its power, but instead, in this, he just destroys it. Um, do you think it? Went, do you think it was like a production fix? In sense, like they're like, well, we got this bridge set. You know, let's just have it be here instead of having to have a whole nother scene with him back at like the grave of Dumbledore. Yeah, but like they could have just not done anything with the wand, right? Because here's here's something you don't know. Remember his broken wand that Hermione couldn't repair? Yeah. Well, the Elder Wand is really powerful. So Harry goes and actually repairs his original wand with it. So he starts using his old wand again. That makes sense. And now he's just like, I'm just going to use Draco's shitty wand. <laughs> it's like, I'm good with this one that I yeah that I it's easily like, worn off of that guy. Um, yeah, and know. then he tosses uh, off the bridge down into the gorge where there's like rotting giant corpses and yeah, other things. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of a lot of rotting giant corpses down there. A lot of dead bodies they need to clean up. Like only Filch is the only one that has to clean it up, really. Yeah, poor Filch. Oh my god, you see him with a fucking broom. <laughs> yes. It's like I know he can't use magic. Can we get him some magical items, please? Yeah, to at least help him. Yeah. Poor Filch. Um Filch and Miss Norris. What do you think what do you think about the uh the nineteen the years block. later? Yeah. Uh um it was a little weird and it was hilarious. Okay, go on. Um, that's fine. I mean, I get, I get the whole point of what it was. Is this in the books too? I'm, I'm assuming. Oh yes, yes, yeah. it is. Yes. It's... Oh my god! If this wasn't in the books and they did it in the movies, there would have been outrage. <laughs> so you know, Harry, Ginny, they're together. They have a kid. They have a couple kids. I think. Yeah. So Harry and Ginny are married. They have three kids: James Sirius, Albus Severus, and Lily Luna. 
And no. Nah, yeah. It's interesting they do a Luna for Luna Lovegood, but they don't do like a Tonks. Yeah. Like it shouldn't be Lily Luna. It should be um what was it? Nymphadora. It should be Lily Nymphadora, not Lily Luna. That's true. That makes a lot of sense. Uh Neville Longbottom's there at Hogwarts now. You wanna know what he's doing? I'm just gonna give you the rundown because they don't explicitly say all these things. Neville Longbottom is at Hogwarts and he's now the herbology professor. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. Uh James is the eldest. He's already at Hogwarts and he is a Gryffindor. Albus is 11, starting his first year, who becomes Slytherin. And Lily is age 9, so she is not yet there. Very similar to, like, the way Ginny was the first time Harry was at uh, Platform 9 and 3 quarters. Yeah. Uh, Ron and Hermione have two kids, unlike Ron's mom. You'd think, like, he would be, you know... I guess I guess those genes went to Ginny. <laughs> They've already got three. <laughs> um, so Ron and Hermione have two kids, Rose and Hugo. Uh, and Ron uh, is t- took, like, a muggle driving test so he's like very much like his dad who i'm very happy arthur weasley survived yeah um draco malfoy is there <laughs> with his kid you want to know what the hell the name of his kid is um uh let me guess uh um serious no uh i don't know scorpius scorpius i was close <laughs> i was close scorpius of course, it's something evil sounding. Scorpius. Um, it, this is a, a fun little fact. Teddy Lupin, who you never meet in the movie, yeah, he but... is seen, he's spotted kissing Victoria Weasley, who is the daughter of Bill and Fleur Delacour. Mm-hmm. I see. Um, which okay, so which um, actors' old makeup did you like the most, and which one did you like the least? I think they do the best with Ginny. It's the first time they nail anything with Ginny. Yeah. Um, like I she mean, looks I, the best young I, mom. Don't type. get me wrong. I don't dislike her character. In fact, I really like her character in the books, which is why like, I think maybe we're kind of extra hard on her because it's so clear the potential for that character. Uh, the least, it feels like they did the least with Hermione. It feels like literally <laughs> yes. they just put a coat on. <laughs> like she on just her. wears like she's wearing a bunch of coats. Yeah, you're right. Like her hair is the same. Her face is the same. Yeah. It just looked like they put a coat. Ron's I thought was pretty solid. Harry's facial hair just looked <laughs> stupid. <laughs> yeah. Ron and Ron and Harry are okay. Hermione is just Hermione in a big puffy yeah. coat. And then Draco I think is the most hilarious because he's got like the white facial hair. Yeah. And the glasses. And he just looks like weird waldo um yeah and they watch their kids go off to hogwarts and the circle of life you know yeah yeah um do you want some updates on what these people are doing these days um the actors or the characters the characters um well okay uh you already said that ron was basically in the ministry uh it's well i mean they technically both are do you know what they're doing ron and harry they're doing the same thing insurance no they're auras just like Mad Eye Moody, something Harry, they, something they basically always wanted to be. Yeah, I remember them mentioning that. So, um, George's joke shop is still doing great. Ron worked there for a little bit. Cool. So that's kind of nice. Uh, Kingsley Shacklebot became the Minister of Magic, and Percy Weasley worked for him. So he still weaseled himself up there. Is Kingsley the? He's got style. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I mean, he's. Yeah, I'd be. I'd vote for him. Uh, damn right, I would. Uh, Hermione works for the Ministry in the Department of Magical Law, and she's done a lot to improve the life for non-human magical beings. 
I see. Is is like the ministry like it's like the the only place you can work, really? No. No, 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 no. It's like think Hogwarts about all or... of, <laughs> Think about all the magical towns. Yeah, but it seems like everyone's got a job at the ministry. It's like the bloated bureaucracy of this world. Yeah, maybe. Uh, I already told you what Luna does. She actually eventually marries Newt Scamander's grandson, which what? is interesting. Okay. He's the main character of the Fantastic Peace movies. Yes, which we are watching. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't know what the hell Draco is doing. So uh, I think, I believe that um, Ginny actually plays like professional Quidditch for a while, hmm. which is cool. That's cool. I think Draco's got like a pyramid scheme going on or something. <laughs> He's doing an MLM. Yeah. <laughs> and that's it. That's the uh, end of the story. Now, here's something interesting, John. I, I mentioned this previously and actually quite erroneously it turns out the harry potter and the cursed child story and our listeners right now are probably ranting and raving and angry i'm even saying this is technically canon it appears as if uh according to jk jk rowling she did actually co-write that story and to her it is it should be considered canon which is why on the pottermore website it is considered a part of the timeline and that's kind of like the force awakens where everything's like gone to shit again yeah 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 i mean it's a story with Albus Severus, a hundred names of dead people. Al Potter. Potter. Yeah, it's a story with Al Potter, um, <laughs> and Time Turners. So great. And uh, the child of Voldemort. You mean the fetus grew up? No. Oh. Voldemort had a bastard child with Bellatrix Lestrange. Ah, oh, Jesus. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I think it's like it. I remember reading or watching this thing about someone saying the modern age of. The way we tell stories is like how the we can't ever leave anything to be a happy ending. There's always got to be like the cycle of everything. So it's like well, Star Wars ends on what you think is should be a happy note, but then it's like, guess what? The Empire's back. Everything's the same. Well, everything's I mean, it's a the franchise is called Star Wars. Yeah, but it doesn't have to be the same war. Well, it does for the main series if it's just about the Skywalkers. I know, but again. Star Wars is just a nice, cool gimmicky man. It doesn't mean it has to. Again, the point is, is like, we're con- like maybe it's a commentary on humanity itself, but it's like we can never be truly happy. <laughs> sure. <laughs> well, I mean, I get a little bit why they do this story because ultimately, using the time turners, they go back to Harry's time, and it, like the point is so that they can tell more stories with like the kids at Hogwarts because that's what everyone loves. Quite frankly, uh, I would just like more stories in the Wizarding World of Harry Potter and. That's why next week we are going to do Fantastic Beats and Where to Find Them. Which, John, let me tell you why I enjoyed this movie minus uh, one actor who I think is terrible and everyone thinks is terrible, Johnny Depp. Uh, let me tell you why I enjoy this movie. Would you like to know? Sure. Tell me. Because it's like it's like Harry Potter meets Pokemon. Oh, great. It's like Harry Potter meets Pokemon Go. That does not sound like a bad, bad thing. No, it's not. Newt's Commander is a world traveler. And he collects magical creatures, winds up in New York, and they all get set free, and he has to go recapture them. That's basically the plot. That's a good one. I think. Yeah, it's awesome. I just don't like Eddie Redmond's face. He's just. Oh, I like him. I think he's good. He's fine. He's just got a weird face. Okay. We'll, we'll see. We'll see if I cha- that changes my mind. <laughs> this movie changes my mind. He's a he's he's a unique looking person. Um. So I guess that's it until uh, until next time. John, we should leave with a quote. What kind of quote do you think we should end on here? Can't deny the man's got style. <laughs>
after all these years. Always. <laughs>